You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Buddy, it's the summer of Kool-Aid on the Pride of Detroit PODcast. PrideofDetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You, are, you know where to find us. Excuse me, I'm coming off another overnight shift. Live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. I am your very adequate host, Chris Perfett, at Chris Perfett on Twitter. Joining us, we are two-manning it today. We're just duos today with uh, Jeremy Reisman, who's played more than enough Fortnite, at Detroit Online. Where are we dropping? I don't, uh, what's the name of the place? Tomato Town? We doesn't get... exist anymore, but yes. Doesn't that exist was, anymore? That's, that's the part of the song. Do you still have Slurp Juices? No. Slurp Cannons and Slurp Jars. So I can't use multiple Slurp Juices on a single ape? No, no. None of that okay. NFTing are, is allowed anymore. Uh, apparently Jeremy's muted. Hold on. <clears throat> on stream. We got to fix that real quick. How did my mic get switched up? Anyway, very carefully. Uh, welcome, as always, to another Pride of Detroit POD cast. Uh, me and Jeremy here. Obviously, Ryan is out um, helping the kids for the children. He's doing it for the children. So we are here. We're going to we've got to talk uh, a lot about rookie minicamp coming up here in just a second. We've got schedule. We've got a game to play with the schedule. We're still not done with the schedule. I was hoping to get Ryan's thoughts on here, but me and Jeremy are going to rebound and do more with the schedule in a game we're calling watch a window, whatever ability. <laughs> and <Beautifully named. laughs> yeah, you know, I, I come up with the best names. It's, it's what I do. It's what I do, Jeremy, to win every day. I win at making names. You, you have the best words, the best, just the best, just the best <laughs> folks. But let's start with rookie minicamp because the, ro- the lions held their rookie minicamp over the weekend. Uh, we've got a lot of notes. How, how much were you there, Jeremy? Let the people know how much your yeah. exposure was. So it's a, it's a, it's a three day event, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They only let the media in for Saturday. Um, so we got Dan Campbell at the beginning of the day, got about 90 minutes of, of the, it, we got the entire practice, which was about 90 minutes. Uh, and then we got to talk to, which I thought was really interesting. We got to talk to every single draft pick. Um, they came off the field and we got individually, uh, got to individually talk to them. And uh, yeah, it was an interesting day. Uh, they, they aren't with the veterans. I think that's important, important to point out. Um, it was just a rookie mini camp today. Actually, Hence Monday, the, yeah. m- Monday when we were recording, this is actually the first time that the rookies and the veterans are getting together for off season wor- workouts. Again, it's still not, still not even OTAs, which is, it's, know, it's, it's voluntary workouts, correct? Everything is voluntary at this point, but um, you know, one of, one of the kind of cool things that happened today we don't have to get too much into it, but it's, it's an exciting no, it's big step. news. It's very big news. 
Jeff Okuda was out there on the field and, and we weren't there. So I can't tell you how much he was participating, but there was a photo gallery that the Lions put up and he's out there catching passes. It didn't look like he, there were any pictures of him running. So I would suspect he's not a full go, but the fact that he's even out there working out with, with his teammates is, is obviously a big step in his uh, rehab. No, I think, and again, for a case like Okuda, I think it's fantastic. I know that was a big question mark over the offseason is what what is what are the Lions going to get in a healthy Okuda? Again, obviously, we're still a ways away from that now, but we know how big Jeremy uh, Achilles' injury is for a corner. To see him back there right now is very exciting. Yeah, so, it's we'll- promising. I mean, all, all of the updates he's been given on his social media indicate that he's moving pretty good at this point. Um, change of direction, he's shown that almost full speed. We we've kind of seen that. So if I had to guess, I would expect him to be fully ready by training camp in what, two months, two and a half months. Uh, so that that's the good news. Uh, the bad news is we, we don't know what he's going to look like. And, and <laughs> I'd be like, there's a difference between being, you know, physically able to move in football shape and, and football ready and, and all that sort of stuff. But we know Jeff Okuda is the, the is mentally where he needs to be. And, he's just the kind of person that, that I think can take on an Achilles rehab head on and, and, and potentially beat odds, at least in terms of where he'll be physically. I think there's still a lot he has to grow as a, as a football player though. Right. Especially with some of the attention he's gotten, I think a little unfairly from fans and parts of the media of the Detroit media about like, again, it keeps going back to where he was drafted how he performed in his rookie year. We have to remain, remind people all the time, like corners in rookie years yeah. don't do well. I don't know of many corners who just jump right in. Um, as, as much as you can talk about, well, you should at, at three or whatever, but that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And the Achilles is a big injury. We've got to work with what is in the moment here and now, rather than just being mad that past expectations were not met in a single year with a guy who didn't know how to run a defensive system. But uh, next week, I think we have OTAs, so it'll be yes. close to full practice. Still no contact, still no shoulder pads. So we'll, so we'll still um, get some notes out of that. I know you, Jeremy, this is your time of the year. You love OTAs. Yes. You love training. You love – you love. Uh, <clears throat> so this is funny because – this is funny about you because you always complain about the Underwear Olympics – of the combine. Yes. But then you like the underwear Olympics of OTAs. It's not underwear Olympics. They're actually in football formations. They're actually doing football things. And listen, this, no this, is, this is going to sound very selfish and completely. If, if oh, I'm it's, being, it's totally it, selfish. It is, you get to cover it. Yeah. yeah. Part of it. Part of the reason I love it is the exclusivity of it. And the fact that I get to see it and no one else does. <laughs> like God I get to see elitist. these guys. Play. I get to like, I know training. I, I like when training camp there and there's an audience and, and people get all excited and stuff, but there's something neat. And it, it's just something that I, I need to step back and every now and then and, and appreciate the job that I have, that I get to see a lot of things that most people aren't privy to. So it'll be fun to see during OTAs. They'll have the whole team out there. We'll, we'll kind of have a better idea of what the, the depth chart will look like. Uh, again, we only get one OTA practice per week that's available to the public. So I think they usually run three a week. We'll only get one of those. There's also a mandatory mini camp coming in, in about two or three weeks. We get all three days of those and that's mandatory. So we'll, we'll definitely have the whole team there. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited for that sort of stuff because it is our first look at like a real true kind of a depth chart. And we'll get to see 
what these, you know, what the new defensive look looks like. I mean, we've been promised all offseason really that this offense is also going to look a lot different. Um, I think it was Amon Ra who said a, a week ago, there's not a lot of carryover from, from last year's offense. And, no, and a lot of that's because like completely new offensive system and sure, you know, we're we're getting we're getting, you know, well, I, I don't know how much we'll see of Ben Johnson's you know, ideas out of the gate, obviously, <laughs> right. but you know, we'll, it'll keep some things close to the vest, but we'll, right. But we'll don't, I, how, yeah. a little bit of how creative he is. And, and, and Dan Campbell also mentioned more tempo, which everyone like that is, Oh like, my God. It's the word. It's the word. Fans. It's the word tempo hat it for fans is like, Oh, we're going to be, but, it, but in reality, like that was something the line sucked at last year. They were getting out of their, their huddle with like nine seconds left in the play clock and having to hurry up. And they, they took the second most delay of game penalties. They took, uh, they were the, I think it was the fourth slowest offense in terms of when they snapped the ball um, with, t- with the play clock left. So that is something that I think is actually worth pointing out. And if they follow through with it and are a little bit quicker to the line, I think, I think we're going to see some improvement, especially maybe in some of those late down situations, you, which you they get all, you get at. all that. I'm going to be outside with the unwashed and clearly the people who will not like, be able to advance their careers doing any of this stuff. So you, you keep and you be part of the wine and cheese elitist. And I'll be out here just being like, yeah, that looks cool. Damn straight. Uh, rookie minicamp itself though. I think the big story coming out of rookie minicamp and the one we've kind of harped on a lot. And I think part of that's because we're doing the thing where uh, we like talking about this guy a lot. And he's obviously big in the most exciting unknown quantity for the lions is James Houston. And I think a part of that is because where the lions are playing, are playing him considering that he was both a linebacker at Florida and then edge at, at Jackson state. So I think right now they are, they're playing him at a very newish position, Jeremy. Yeah. It's so he's, he's repping and, and doing individual drills with the linebackers. It's, it's clear the lines don't view this guy as a pure edge like Jackson State did. You know, Dion had that conversation with, uh, with Houston and told him, like, listen, if you, you, if you were going to be a linebacker, you would have been one in, in Florida. It didn't work out. We're moving you to edge. Looks like the lines are giving him a second chance at linebacker. But he did line up on the edge a couple times, and it does seem like there's going – you know, again, we're, we're talking about all these new four-man fronts, maybe – kind of a four, two base instead of a four, three base. Um, and, and if you, even if you look at the lines roster there, they, they delineate between linebacker and outside linebacker and outside linebacker last year meant edge defender outside linebacker this year. I'm not sure means edge defender. I think it means off ball linebacker who will occasionally work on the edge. And that's what I think is, is headed for, for James Houston. I think we might see someone like Julian O'Quara move to that role. Cause we saw him drop in coverage a couple times. And so James Houston to me is kind of this hybrid guy that, that they're looking at, that they're kind of forming a new position. I don't know if it's going to be a base position. I don't know if it's going to be a sub package position, but it's something that they're, they're clearly molding players for because uh, Natras Patrick, the, the guy that they signed from rookie minicamp, uh, who was there on a tryout, a uh, former Georgia linebacker who spent a couple of years with the Rams, which is why obviously um, Brad Holmes knows him quite well. Um, he was, he was probably instrumental in signing him as an undrafted rookie in 2019. Same, same position. Um, and so I think, I think Natrez, and, and if I'm not pronouncing his name wrong, I'm sorry. Um, I think he's going to be in direct competition with James Houston for this role. And um, Patrick 
had a, has a ton of special teams experience. So that's again, going to kind of put him maybe a leg up on James Houston right away. Um, but James Houston has already said he's going to devote all of his energy to being a special teams guy as well. So kind of an interesting uh, development in terms of defensive scheme, interesting development in terms of James Houston's kind of role going forward. Um, because I think a lot of us, especially after the podcast that we just had, if you haven't listened to that, by the way, go back and listen to it because uh, really, really interesting and, and, and positive about James Houston, but it was mostly about him as an edge defender. And so um, I think, I think maybe that's not where, where he's headed in Detroit. Maybe, maybe it's like a sub package pass rusher type of role, but I think in general, they are going to try to utilize some of that athleticism he has in coverage um, because that's mainly what he was doing on Saturday. He almost picked off a pass too, which was pretty cool. And you can actually watch that clip on, on Twitter. Yeah. Fascinating that Natros Patrick is at um, rookie minicamp, even though he's got about three years in the league right now too. But I mean, obviously probably there's probably something that allows that to happen. Yeah. Probably something that, you know, just, just for the competition. Um, more stories out of minicamp chase Lucas. They're playing him at nickel. So I don't know if he's going to, uh, I guess the question is, will he contend for that starting job? Is AJ Parker set in stone? Now I thought AJ Parker did very well last year. I think when you're of a background like AJ Parker, you're always up for risk. I know people cheer for the late round UDFA signings a lot, but that position has a lot of, I mean, when you are of that background coming into lead, it has a lot of turnover. However, in the case of something like nickel corner, that X, I mean, that year of, we, we, we just talked about with Okuda, like corners take time to develop into the league. And Parker has that experience on his side looking at this, but obviously chase Lucas, the new shiny thing. Um, where do you really see him? Do you think he takes over that job from AJ Parker at nickel or are they just like trying him out there because obviously they'll probably want some flexibility and maybe, you know, I, I don't know if they want to rotate the nickel corner or, you know, they just want to, f- or if they're just trying to find out what they have in chase Lucas, where he can play best uh, in the defensive coverage. I, I do think that's his best fit. And in, in our first bite, it seemed like the, the guy we talked to also believed that that was his best fit as nickel. But yeah, the question is whether that job is up for grabs or not. And I, I think it's kind of up for grabs. Like I know, I know we all like the story of AJ Parker, but when you look at it, I don't know. He, I, he wasn't, he was well above expectation because like you said, rookie, rookie corners in general have a really tough job. An undrafted rookie corner starting right away. It's doubly a tough job. Right? And listen, Chase Lucas is a seventh round pick. He's, he's as close to a UDFA as, as you can possibly get. It's not like he's much better, but he is a lot more athletic a lot more athletic. And so, and, and, and he's been like, he's a, what five, he played five years in college. So it, it may seem like he's not very, you know, he's new, but he's, he's older than AJ Parker. He's older than half of the, the cornerback room. So you, I saw a lot of leadership out there. Like he was kind of leading the way and, and pumping guys up there and rookie minicamp. So I honestly think he has a legitimate shot to, to, if not win, the nickel job be the primary backup at nickel. And so I initially had him on the outside looking in after rookie minicamp. I think, I think he might be on the 53 man ro- roster and even have a shot at a, at a starting job. Going down the notes here. Um, one that we don't, I know we don't have this in the notes, but I, I was noticing this earlier. A um, lot of shots of Jamison William from rookie minicamp, a lot of him smiling. 
Sure. Lions yeah. really making sure that they get the uh, smiles in there. I think that whole story is just completely overblown. I just, I just uh, find, <laughs> I find maybe he just doesn't like doing interviews, you know, but I, I, no, I don't even think that's true, honestly, because yeah. his, his on-field interview after practice was fantastic. He was okay. great. And he, I just, I just, he was just, just hung come, over. Like he was just, yeah, he had to, yeah. like, he was in I, Vegas. I can't believe this is still a story. We drafted. It's three weeks later, and we're still, I still have, to, I still catch it from Lions fans sometimes. Like, did you see how he looks? I just don't think he likes playing in Detroit. It's like, they don't think like that. Like, I, no. I know in the past, like, I know we just mentioned James Houston, and I know guys like Deion Sanders, when they came out of college, they cared about where, what team they would get on because I think part of that was they were making less money. It was a lot about the prestige of where they were playing and what that meant for their aspirations. These guys get so much money coming out of college, I think, and don't mind coming to the underdogs. Like this idea that, that JMO does like was unhappy to go to Detroit is just, I, I don't know when it dies, Jeremy. I just, I, I don't know how it dies. Cause when you know this, It'll once die. you get, once you It'll get a, once we stop talking about it, honestly, maybe, maybe but like people keep bringing it up. Once you get a seed in the minds of some Detroit fans, it stays there. Yeah. But I mean, I, what, what'd you think of him? Because like, we are, we're in this, you know, I, we were talking about the schedule on our schedule release party and like, we kept talking about when is JMO going to be ready on the field. Now, obviously this is no pads, but how much was he really performing out there? Nothing. He was basically doing nothing. He was standing on the sidelines. The, I think the cool story about it was um, he always like he has a football in his hand 24 (laughs) seven when he's in that facility, he's he's literally got a football in his hands. They also gave him a script of the plays that they're going to be running during rookie minicamp. So he's following like he's, he's mentally there going through the reps. Um, And so that's, that's kind of the, the, the step that he's at. There was also a moment where Dan Campbell was just throwing in passes like he and Dan Campbell, by the way, horrible quarterback. Don't like (laughs) he's a tight end. He was, you can tell he played tight end. (laughs) <laughs> the way I put it is he looked like an actor quarterback who just well, like just did not know how to throw the ball, but like he can act. So they, they have him playing, you know. Yeah. In, in like the, in like the, in like the Kurt Warner doc, he's playing yes, the quarterback like for the opposing team or something right. like something like that. <laughs> um, but where, yeah, where's no. Mark get Mark to throw some passes out here. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's Jim. Jim, I don't know when he's going to be ready, but they're they're definitely taking it slow with him. And, and I do, I do yeah. like that you are enamored with him holding a football, the thing that every like you know, bungo like radio host does, where they just like have a football in their hands, tosses it up. So Jamo's Jamo's on that level. Yes, he's, he's uh, very excited. Very excited. All right, what else do we have here? Um, Kirby Joseph, I think you you wrote down that we're I you guys see him playing a lot closer to the line than expected. I know he played a lot of deep single high at Illinois. Yeah, that that was a big concern of mine is that he was mostly a single high safety at Illinois because he's he's super rangy, he's super fast. And so my concern was like, can he do anything else but be kind of a deep middle guy? And it's very clear either the lines were concerned about that same thing and they want to get him some reps near the line of scrimmage or um, they they think he's just more versatile than that and and um, are, are, are acting or are, are putting in there. Um, it, it's interesting because I think, I think, you know, obviously the long-term plan is, is to pair him with Tracy Walker. I don't know if he takes the job right away or not. Tracy's a guy who can definitely do both. I think he's better when he's kind of a rangy guy, which means that Kirby Joseph is going to have to take on some of those closer to the line of scrimmage stuff. But in general, um, 
I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm curious as to where that, go, that goes with Kirby Joseph, especially once he's with the veterans um, to see if, 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 if it's more balanced, if they want him to play closer to the line of scrimmage. Obviously, the Lions would like these guys to be as versatile as possible. All right. We got a couple more standouts to really talk about here, and then we're going to go on to talking some schedule. So um, Greg Bell uh, shook both rookie linebackers on a play. Uh, yeah, a separate play. So they were running this drill. It, it, it was run by um, the special teams coordinator, Dave Fipp. So I guess it was kind of a special teams. Basically, two guys are, are standing at opposite ends of like, I don't know, a, a 10 yard wide, 10 yard deep square part of the field. And they're running at co- running at each other from the opposite corners. Greg Bell has the football in his hand. The other guy um, in, in this case, both of the rookie linebackers draft the drafted one. So James Houston and Malcolm Rodriguez um, are, are essentially trying to tackle him. And I put tackle in quotes here because it's essentially two hand touch right now. And Greg Bell shook the crap out of both of them. And it's interesting. So Greg Bell, if, if you don't know, is one of the UDFAs out of San Diego state. Um, five, five, 10, two, 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 uh, I don't know how much of a chance he has to make the team because I do think the running back room is pretty, pretty well tight set. there. It's pretty well set. Like they're going to run a full back and like I think they've got three deep, pretty well set. I mean, yeah, I guess it's tough because you definitely have Jamal Williams. You definitely have uh, uh, Swift. Uh, Swift. Swift. Um, beyond that, Jamar Jefferson didn't get a lot of playing time. Craig Reynolds is a great story, but is he is he truly a number three? I, th- I feel like Jefferson, like, Jefferson was doing all right, and he got like hurt last year. So I, I don't know if they'll try to run it back with him or if the injury will just put him behind that eight ball. But I, I just don't know if any of those three guys are irreplaceable. That right. that's that's how I feel. So if Greg fair. Bell, Greg Bell's on the team, right? He wasn't just a tryout guy, so um, he'll he'll get his opportunity to win, and and I think it's it's possible he does, but. He's, he's got a long ways to go. He's, he was the only running back there too. So maybe just by proxy, he stood out. Yeah. Well, I mean, sizzle early is good. Uh, one more guy who I had kind of highlighted that uh, I, I was, I, I'm fascinated if he'll be even able to make the roster. It's it's we've talked so much about how, how stacked, I mean, not stacked, but you, you know what I'm talking about, how competitive that wide receiver yeah. room is right now. Khalil Pimpleton, I thought made some really good plays uh, ran some very good routes for for uh, the rookie for the rookie minicamp, but I don't really see his way to the roster. I, I see him much more, and this is me trying to give some love to the uh, Central Michigan sure. contingent of our fans. Fire up chefs because they're always make themselves known. But Pimpleton, I feel like it, it feels like no matter what, he's destined for the practice squad. I think he's a great UDFA pickup for the Lions. He could probably use some more seasoning on the practice squad. I don't know if he really cracks this roster. I, I think he'd have to do something like dethrone Khalif Raymond or one of these other guys who's on the bottom, but also have proven, you know, their value with special teams as well. I don't like, do, what, 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 what percent chance do you give Pimpleton to make the roster? Uh, like 10. I don't know. He, to me, he has training camp, darling written all over. Like there's oh, always sure. There's our central always, Michigan plus everything else, right? Oh, and it always seems to be a wide receiver, right? There's always a wide receiver that everyone falls in love with in training camp. The thing with this guy is he's tiny. I am essentially this guy's size. He's five, eight. Let me look exactly. He's what still they taller have. than me. 
5'8-172. That that is literally about what I weigh right now and, and how tall I am. It's not and and he's built, right? Like um he, he's in good shape. I, I'm not necessarily so, so he's he's tiny, but I mean the like even the Lions Twitter is pimping out this guy. They showed a couple clips of him, one of him just absolutely shaking a guy in, in a comeback route. Um, one just a crossing route, and I think it was the one that we saw on Saturday where he created at least three, four yards of separation and gained 20 plus yards. So um, kind of a shifty guy. And I think you're right. Like, I think Khalif Raymond is the, like, if he's going to win a roster spot, he's going to have to beat up Khalif Raymond. And the Lions like Khalif Raymond a heck of a lot. They do. And they like Turner. They gave him some money too. Yeah. Yeah. They they paid him. And so I think he's a Khalif Raymond backup, which means he could push someone like Tom Kennedy off the practice squad roster. I think that's where he's headed um, ultimately, but it should be fun because I mean, the other thing here is the lines don't really have a set returner, right. That, that, that they can trust. Um, I, I think Pimpleton only has experience with punt returns, but I, I would be very surprised if they didn't give him some kick return looks to see if he can do that too. All right. We'll keep an eye on it. Obviously, as we said, next week, we're going to have this coming week, we're going to have OTAs and everything else. And it's Jeremy's favorite time of the year. So more reigns over to him even less of me talking, which is going to make everyone happy. So, uh, but when we come back on the Pride Detroit POD cast, we got watch a winability to talk about for the schedule. Uh, we're going to revisit the schedule. Me and Jeremy kind of did very quick takeaways on a mini podcast. Now we're going to devote more time to our two favorite things. One, how much we think the Lions can win a game. And two, how much do we actually want to watch that game? I know like, because... We may be watching Lions football, but we're also connoisseurs. Maybe. I am. I I, I don't know about Jeremy. He might just like rummaging around in the dirt. He's got the pinky out. All right. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Pride of Detroit POD cast. Let's play a new game. Watch a winability. So me and Jeremy here have been like chewing on our faces, trying to figure out how to talk about the schedule in a way that is not just straight up. Jeremy wanted to do the very hackneyed sports talk radio thing, which is go through the games and do. It's what the people loss. want, Chris. It's what the people want. People want win loss records. Mr. I hate sports talk radio is over here like doing the most sports talk radio thing imaginable. Listen, we did, we did mock drafts on this Twitch channel. I hate mock drafts, but it's what the people want. Sometimes you just have to give in to the people, Chris. We're going to put our spin on it though. It's called watch a winability and we've got, and maybe it's not too creative, but that's fine. Our, our, our juices are not, our, our, our creative juices are pretty low to begin with. Um, one to 10 scale, 10 being much CTV. One being if this game was being played in your backyard, you close the drapes. And we are going to give scores for both watchability and how likely we think the Lions could maybe win this, which is not perfect because we still have quite a bit of incomplete notes, uh, especially when it comes to some of the other teams out there. So I'll try to give some superlatives and uh, kind of crazy scenarios for a lot of these games too. But we'll go through what we should not dilly-dally too much because we've got 17 games to get through. So let's start. Let's start. 
Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, this one's fascinating to me as I think about the one to 10, just because we, we talked a little bit of Jalen Hurts during the break, but he's got some good wide receiver weapons now between Devonta Smith, AJ Brown, Dallas Goddard as the tight end. Like it's no, and you know, running back room, Miles Sanders, I, it's no slouch of an offense there. I think we talked a little bit about last time, like the, the Eagles probably are going to take some time though, to get this thing rolling on the ground. And that's maybe where the lions can catch them. So opening year, everyone opening game, everyone rusty. I think the lack of that fourth preseason game does turn these week ones a little more janky. So I'm going to put watchability here for myself at, uh, I mean, it's going to get the bump because it's opening week, right? Sure. So probably I'm going to put this at like a six winability with both teams as rusty as it is. I, and I know we, I think we like this game coming out because NFC East, I'm going to say it's also a six. I'm doing double sixes here. I'm, I'm going to bump the watchability up to a seven, maybe even a seven and a half because I think both of these offenses have a chance of being very good and people love shootouts. I have, this has the feeling of, of a potential shootout. I'm not much of a Jalen hurts fan, but this team ran all over Detroit last time, uh, ran the ball a ton. And I don't think the lines run defense improved that much, especially up the middle. So I think, I think we could see a, a bit of a shootout in this one, especially if the lions offense improves in a way that we think it might. And I think both of these teams are expected to be a lot better than they were last year. So I think I think there's a little bit of even national watchability of two up-and-coming teams that could surprise people this year. Winability, however, I am much further down on. I do think because this is a, a shootout game, I do think the Lions are in a disadvantage because their defense is not very good. Um, hopefully it's better than than where it has been. But I, I think I think the Eagles look like a pretty strong favorite. I mean, they're a four-point favorite with the Lions being the, the home team, that's that's usually a sign of a pretty strong favorite. So I'm going to put the winability at a three and a half here. Yeah, we might have more words for certain games, less for this. This this one coming up here, Commanders, I know I'm already in the second game. Something about playing NFC East teams where I'm just like, oh, God, really? Yeah. Especially when it's Carson Wentz helming this thing too. Watchability, I'm at uh, a five on this one because I've got to put it a little bit lower than Eagles. Winability, I will be a little bit higher. I'm going to go up to probably a – I don't think I should allow half points. I'm stuck between seven and eight, though. Um, I am somewhere between a seven and an eight. I, I think I, – look, Terry McLaurin's obviously a problem, but other than that, like, I don't – I just – I just I don't respect the commanders, Jeremy. I don't respect the commanders. This feels this, – this should be an easier win than the Eagles. I'm putting watchability at a three. <laughs> it, I, this might be the the game that I have the least interest in. I don't I don't like the Commanders. I don't feel like they have a ton of notable players that I'm all that excited about. They've got some talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Terry McLaurin's also a really good receiver, but I just I don't like them. I don't like their organization. The Lions don't play them that often, so it's not like there's a, a rivalry at all. So I think it's a three there, and I think I'm right there with you about it. Like a, I would say a seven there. Um, lines again. The Lions are actually favored. This is one of the four games they're favored in currently. Um, and I know, I know you think, uh, you know, game lines right now are kind of fugazi, and you're not wrong. But I think Sorry, I think, that's I think a good what's fugazi? Early lines for for games right now are. Oh yeah, no, they're sucker bets. They're absolute yeah. suckers. Like I, I don't know any self-respecting 
they're 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 basically fish out there to get the, the they're they're lines out there to get the the degenerates like right. Ryan. But I think it's a good representation of the lines. Are, are, are this is a game that the lines should win? It's, it's a home game, so yeah. I'll give it a seven in winnability. All right, at at Minnesota, um, watchability for this one probably up. I'm going to put this up at a. Uh, I'll do it a seven here. I feel like you know, first divisional game, it'll be on the road. Invite it in Minnesota early, so might get some sun. Who knows? Uh, I I think watchability wise, like I, I've got a lot of questions about the Vikings. I think we should have some of them answered by week three. I don't think there'll be a complete collapse, but I think at the very least, these two teams will be very evenly matched. Winability, I'm going to go ahead with a uh, six. I think early in the season, Vikings still could prove a problem as healthy for the Lions. Uh, Lions have kind of been up and down with the Vikings. I I don't know. I'm not sure where to go with winability. I I know I am committed to a seven on watchability, though. I'm up to an eight in watchability for this one. Really? I do think this is another one that has the potential to be a, a shootout. Um these are the teams with the best wide receivers in the division. You got Justin Jefferson and Thielen. Maybe you have uh, Jameson Williams back by week three. It's probably a little bit early, but it's possible he's he's there. Plus Amon Ra, plus DJ Chark. Um, this this could be an airing of, of it out kind of the game. And with Minnesota now having a new head coach from the Rams who who's not going to be afraid to air it out a little bit more. They aren't going to be, I don't think, this run first team that they've had this identity for a long time. I think that's going to be a really fun game and it'll be the Lions' first divisional game. So it's a nice kind of litmus test game. I'm excited for this one. Uh, might even go to it because I, I do like Minnesota a lot and that stadium. It's a good stadium. It's a very good yeah. stadium. Yeah. Winability kills a, lot of, I, kills a lot of birds, but it's a good stadium. Winability to me is right down the middle. I th- I'm giving it a five. I don't, I don't really know where Minnesota is going to stand this year. I think, I think they're going to be pretty close to where the Lions are this year, even though they're potentially in quote, you know, year one of rebuild. They've, they've got a lot of pieces for being in year one of a rebuild. Mm-hmm. So that offense still should be pretty good. Seattle Seahawks. Um, watchability is a three. I'm being generous <laughs> at a three. I have zero interest in watching Drew Locke try to run an offense beyond zero interest in Drew Locke trying to run an offense. Uh, like, and it's a, and it's a West coast team coming East. Traditionally, we know that turns into just sloppy, unbearable football. I'm sorry, Michigan State fans. I have no interest in Kenny Walk- Kenneth Walker III. I don't care. I don't care about Tyler Lockett. I don't care about Noah Fant. I don't give a bleep about basketball. I don't care about the Seattle Seahawks at all. Three. Winnability, eight. Lions don't pick this one up over someone like Drew Locke. I got questions about the defense. I got questions about the pass rush if you can't get to Drew Locke. With that off, with that Seattle Seahawks offensive line, you should be. This should be Jeremy like a multiple, like three, four sack game. I I'm with you on both. I think I, I'm going to go exact same three and eight. Um, because yeah, I the Seahawks team should absolutely be in rebuild. Should absolutely be bad. Seahawks. The the one thing that might improve the watchability is just weird shit happens in in Seahawks games. Ask any Seahawks fans and they'll say, I, I can't remember which one continually tweets it, but there's no such thing as a normal Seahawks game. And so something wacky is probably going to happen in this game, but not enough to make it an entertaining football game. So I'm with three. And then, yeah, I think the Lions should win this game. You, you kind of mentioned all the reasons why they should. And yeah, screw Kenneth Walker. I don't care about him. <laughs> Ryan's not here to <laughs> save his boy. Chat's <laughs> mad at us though. Um, and then finally, right before the bye, 
New England Patriots. Mm, Jeremy, I'm going to let you go first on this one. I'm still chewing this one out because like, I, I don't know what I am perpetually scared of the Patriots and it's in Foxborough. So like, what, where do you, where do you uh, give numbers on this one? Uh, watchability nine and a half out of 10. I, really? they're going to be, they're going to be so many cuts to Matt Patricia on the sidelines. Oh God. I don't want to see his face though. <laughs> it, Lions fans are going to get amped for this one. They really are like they, they want revenge on the man who absolutely tanked a franchise that was already pretty low. So this, this is, this is a circle, a circle on the schedule type of game where, you know, you also have to wonder the the guys, there there aren't a ton of them, but the guys who are left over from the roster, Tracy Walker is going to be amped for this game. And I'm sure they've passed along that hatred. Like I'm sure like guys have asked about the coaching staff and kind of how jacked up Dan Campbell is. I'm sure guys like Walker, like you should have seen the a-hole who was in here before this guy. Yeah. It's it. It's I, well. I think the media and the fans will over overplay it. Maybe that more so than than the fan than the players. Oh, I am sure. I am sure. Uh, Darius Slay, I don't think is on a bye week, but I'm sure him and Quandre Diggs are going to uh, catch the replays of sure. this game. Yeah, um, but winability. Uh, I don't know. That's that's the three thing. and a I half. Don't, I don't know what the Patriots are like. I, and I'm. Yeah. It's it's that mystique still of the Patriots. Right. They were decent last year but like i feel like not not great they made the I playoffs mean, they, but still, they didn't they still win 10 the games right. they still win 10 games but yes like i'm sorry i watched like mac jones like everyone lost their mind because they beat the bills one time but mac jones threw three passes in that game and like i know they had like a plus 150 point differential but like they got to feast on some very easy opponents as well. I don't, I, I I'm with you in that. I I'm going to rate this high on watchability. I'm going to go like eight and a half just because I don't like seeing Patricia's face for very obvious reasons, but winability. What'd you give this again? I said three and a half, man. I just, the Patriots figure it out. Yeah. The, I'll give them, I'll give it a four, it, but I'm a little but more the thing hopeful. Is, the thing is they usually figure it out in the second half of the season. So that is the fact true that they there. have them early. Could be could be a benefit to them. That that is true. That is true. I do know that when you get uh, Fatty over there, like charged up enough for a game, like he did when he played his old team in the Patriots, he does kind of bring the house. So we'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. Um, moving actually at a pretty good pace here. Uh, Dallas Cowboys after the bye. This one watchability. Can I go? This 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 feels like one of the better games on the schedule that I want to see. I know, I know people. We just kind of like Cowboys annoying and everything, but like I want to I want to see this game. This is a nine on watchability for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm up there. I'm like I'm probably like a seven and a half eight. Um, this this feels like one of the. I mean, ideally, it feels like one of the games that could get flexed to Sunday night. But unfortunately, the Cowboys already have a maximum prime number of primetime games, so that the that. that can't happen unless they're flexed off of a game before this. Um, but yeah, like Dallas, it, it's one as a Lions fan, it, it's a do we belong type of game um, where you're like, how maybe not do we belong? Because I think most people would answer that question. No, not yet. How close are we? A how close are we game? And so if, if the Lions can can hang with the Cowboys on the road, granted, they, they will have that extra week of the break where the Cowboys won't. So they have that at their advantage. If they can hang with the Cowboys, 
this early in the season, people are going to be really excited, even if they don't pull out the win. Yeah, winnability, probably uh, four. This is, again, the Cowboys are one of those teams where you can catch some weird losses from them, which absolutely sends media spiraling. Like Cowboys have (laughs) the start of their season, Jeremy, for the Cowboys is pretty brutal. I don't know what you've seen of it, but like they're, they're scheduled. They have to play some world beaters in the weeks prior to playing the, uh, they open the season against the Bucs. They have to host the. They have to host the Bengals. They get the Rams early oct- two weeks before playing the Lions, and then they have a division. They go on the road for a divisional game against the Eagles. Um, that's four tough games. And that yeah. what what is that? Is that a prime time game? I think that's um, October sixteenth. That would be, uh, yeah, prime. Uh, I believe a prime time game against the Eagles. So depending on what happens in those games, they could be coming into the Lions game pretty well battered and bruised. Yeah. The, the, I don't want to overlook the fact that the Lions get that bye week beforehand. I think it's important, yeah. but, but I still, I, I just, the Cowboys are, I know on paper, they never seem to realize their on paper potential. Um, but usually they, they Man, choke down, down the stretch. The defense is really good. They, they still have a ton of offensive weapons. So I'm probably giving this a three on the, on the winability scale. Winability. Uh, Miami Dolphins. Two. Uh, two. Uh? No, just two. I'm, I'm, I don't want to watch ability. I don't want to watch the Dolphins, man. Nothing about Miami sports does anything for me ever. <laughs> like it, it just, it, it feels like an exercise. And why are these people here and not doing cocaine? I know I'm going to make Dolphins fans mad at me. I don't care. There's not many of them. I, I see their crowds. They don't show up. Like yeah. I, I just I don't have an interest in watching the Dolphins and the Lions both struggling to figure out who they are. I, I'm not interested in the dying throws of of a Dolphins promise that is slowly going down the drain, and whether or not Tua will hit a rebound. Like I just maybe it's the team itself. I just have zero interest in watching us play the Dolphins. It is at yeah. home, so like it does bump up the watchability a little bit. That's not that god awful stadium. Um. I'm probably at like a four, not, not much higher. Tyreek Hill does increase the watchability a bit pairing him with Jalen Waddle. Again, it, it's a, it's a, it has potential to be a shootout. Um, the problem is the two medi- mediocre quarterbacks. Hey, maybe Teddy Bridgewater is playing in that game. We can cross our yeah, fingers. Two is hurt playing. again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I guess, I guess potential of a, of a high scoring game, but the, you know, there's, there's high no scoring doesn't with- a- the high scoring doesn't mean interesting sometimes either. It's just True. like, oh my god, stop it, please. There's just there's no history with these two teams, and there's nothing that star powery about the. the what's Dolphins the storyline in this? Yeah, like what's the storyline? I I know there's this one. is late in the season, middle of the season. We'll we'll have a storyline by then. But yeah, like that's the thing. Sitting here right now, what's the storyline? This feels like the speed bump between Cowboys and Packers. So winability on this, and then immediately over to the Packers winability. Uh, I'll go six. What do you got? I probably put it at a, a seven, maybe even to seven and a half. I think the line's okay. got a good shot at this one. Yeah. Uh, Green Bay Packers. Now this one could be flexed, Jeremy. I don't know who's on that uh, Sunday night that week. Yeah, but pa- Packers also have a maximum amount of uh, Sunday night That's games. True. So they'd have to, they'd have is... to also be flexed away from a game before this one. Can they flex Monday night this year? I don't know. I don't think so, but I... Don't hold me to that. I don't know for sure. I don't think they can. Either way. Um, 
I'll start with winnability this time around. I'm not hopeful on the first meeting between these two teams. Um, I don't think you're, you're, you're giving me a, sh- a shuffle eye, but like well, I, 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 you, the fact that you said first meeting almost makes me think that you hit, think they have a better chance week 18 in Lambeau, which it is Lambeau, which I mean, shit. Um, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, this, this is going to be a really rowdy crowd. I, but I said, I'd start on winnability. I'm going to put the winnability at like a three. I know I'm hovering around and I'm refusing to give out like ones and twos, but well, this well, one that's because the team is a little better, right? Like there, I don't. Yeah. There's maybe one game on the schedule where I'm like, they're not going to win that game. This one, this one though, watchability. Yeah, the watchability wise, like I'm going to deduct some points because this could turn into just the Packers stomping the stomping the uh, Lions into the Ford Field turf. But if we can get a good showdown of Aiden Hutchinson chasing around Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. This is an eight. This this is an eight and a half, maybe a nine. It's a ten. It's a ten. It's a ten. Just, it's a ten I'm, for you. I'm pulling out the ten. Like the, if if you look at the schedule, the lines could very well be around five hundred at this point, with only one game in the division, which means they're going to be in it. Which this game is going to matter to them. And we all hate the Packers, and the Packers don't have as good of a defense as they did last year. They're they're more evenly matched than they were last year, and they hung with the Packers in both games last year. This, this, this is, this is the most, I think this has the potential to be the most exciting game in several years in Ford field. I think, I think it's going to be very raucous. I think if the Lions can hang early with the Packers, we have a chance to create an environment that we haven't seen since that bears Lions Monday night game, the job at best game. Yeah. Uh, dependent upon, of course, upon the Lions, you know, cleaning up pretty well in the first half of the schedule too. All they need to be is 500 to me at this point. Yeah. All they need yeah. to be is 500, three and three, no, that's, four, that's four, fair. whatever that's they are. That's fair. Winability. I think I skipped you on winability here. What are you, what oh. are you giving this one? <laughs> now, <laughs> see, now the scales come off your eyes. A little bit. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to keep it low at a three. I think, I think the Packers are still a team that's going to give them a lot of problems, but like I said, they, they've been able to hang with the Packers pretty well in the past few years. So I don't think it's going to be lopsided but I'm not going to pick them to win it. Right. I just really want to see Aiden Hutchinson getting past that line and chasing around Aaron Rodgers. It might be a good learning experience for him because Aaron Rodgers is just hard to sack, man. But I don't know. Father time at some point. True. All right. Let's take a quick break. We've got uh, how many more games here? Uh, Eight more games? Nine more games? Nine more games to go through. Watch win. We don't have to explain watch winability. Eight no so far. Ain't no so far. Yes, yes. <laughs> we'll be right back on the Friday Detroit POD cast. Friday Detroit POD cast, second part of Watch a Winability. Mm. We do games all the time here. We just play games. We play to win the game. Uh, Chicago Bears is where we're going next at, in Chicago here. Uh, Chicago around this time of year should be cold, Jeremy. Is this like, what is this? Is this late October or is this? I think, it's, I think we're in mid-November by this point. 
Really? Yeah, you're right. So. Mid thirteenth, the thirteenth of November. Wow. We move we move along pretty well. I, I keep forgetting how late the season goes now. Uh, watchability on this game. Something about Soldier Field. I don't like seeing games in Soldier Field. Um, so I'm going to deduct a point there. This is obviously the big rivalry that everyone circles in. This is coming like right after the Packers too. So uh, I feel like I'm, I want to give this one. You know what? I'm, I'm going to give this one a seven. I think that uh, it'll be interesting to see what the Lions can do on that offensive line that the Bears have, which is kind of brutal, at least by last year's standards, it's brutal. I think it's interesting to see what Justin Fields is in year two, again, with a bad offensive line, but it's with some slightly improved weapons. Winability, I would say I'm giving this one a six. I think that, or actually, wait, what did we, what did we put the Packers at? I should probably have kept notes. Who cares? There's, there's, there does not need to be a standard set here. We're, we're winging it here. I know. I know. I just, I, I hate doing this and someone's like, oh, but you gave this one a six too. I'm like, oh, yeah. I, I'll put this, you know what? I'll put this one into seven. I, I want to see the Lions go on the road and beat the Bears. I think that they, the Bears have the right weaknesses that the Lions especially with improved pass rush could probably give the bears trouble. You know how coaches always tell players like nothing good ever happens after midnight mm-hmm. in, in an effort to get them to not get into trouble. Nothing ever good happens at soldier field. It's it's cursed in, in a way that when the lines play the bears in Chicago, nothing entertaining or good happens. It's ugly football. Players get injured. Stupid things happen. Three on the watchability list. I hate playing at Soldier Field. <laughs> this game is going to suck. It's ugly. The Lions might win this game, but it will undoubtedly suck because games at Soldier Field. You mentioned it too. It's the field. The field is horrible, and we're in mid-November. It's going to suck. I, I just I, I don't think we appreciate enough how badly you need to screw up Soldier Field. To I know I'm going back to the history books here, but like. I am someone who loves history. I can't tell you how badly the Bears had to screw up Soldier Field to lose the historic landmark status on that place. And it's still like you go and see it like half the stadium's a spaceship. The other half is like the august historical Soldier Field. It's and jarring. I, it's awful. I hate I hate what they've done to the place. All, all 22 is, is one of my favorite things to watch. And they've got by far the worst all 22 too. So watchability, you know what? I'm even going to take it one down because of the all 22. I forgot. Listen about to you. Two. You just keep sinking. Two. You are sinking the watchability faster than Luna, than the price of Luna and Terra right now. Uh, bring it back uh, to crypto. <laughs> but in terms of winability, I think I'm just going to give it a six because again, weird, stupid things happen. It, they, they should be Chicago, but we are deep enough in the season where maybe Matt Eberflus has got kind of a handle on this team a little bit. Um, offensively, they're going to be bad, though. So yeah. I, I think I think the line should win this game, but I, I'm, I'm not counting anything out in Soldier Field. This and the Packers game, I just want to keep circling Aiden Hutchinson. Like, this is the time of year where I hope Aiden's, like, you know, comfortable, and I want to see what his production is like against the Bears and the Packers. Uh, on the road to the Giants, um, Boy, I feel like this game, like how you feel about the Bears, like nothing good is going to come of this game. Nothing good, ugly, ugly, ugly game. The Giants do nothing for me. It is a team that is uh, crashing and burning in the worst possible ways. 
And I'm sorry, I just don't see them turning that thing around. I don't know what happens with Kadarius Tony right now. There's been some rumblings that there's something going on there. And like, I don't think Kenny Galladay is as bad as he was last year, but that's really not a high bar to clear if he is healthy. And what am I supposed to say about their, uh, their, their defense? Like, I know they've, I know this is going to be the Hutchinson versus Kayvon Thibodeau bowl for, for several Lions fans, but there is nothing about the Giants where there's any kind of star power that really makes me want to watch it. And you're giving me MetLife, MetLife Stadium in late October yeah. as the game before Thanksgiving, I mean, November, excuse me, as the game before Thanksgiving. I want this game off my schedule. I just want to get to Thanksgiving. This is the game where everyone's trying to get home and everything. This is a two on watchability. I don't, I don't have any strong opinion about this game at all. I think it's, I'm, I'm just going to give it a five on watchability. It's like, okay. I, I do like Brian Dable a lot, even though he's down the road, a, a former Patriots coach. I, I think, I think he's a good offensive coach. And, and at some point he might get that giant's, room in, in an acceptable place, but I think you're right. There's not a lot of star power there that, that scares me. I don't, I don't know if Saquon Barkley is going to make it this deep in the season healthy or Kenny Galladay for or Kenny Galladay. Yeah. Um, and so, I don't know. They, they draft Wandale Robinson. I, there's just nothing that excites me about that team. So maybe I'll drop it down to a four and watchability. Yeah. Winability though. Um, I'm at like a five or a six. I just, I don't like this game on the road. Yeah, the, the Giants are one and a half point favorites, which I don't particularly like. I think the Lions should win this game. The weather could play uh, some sort of factor in this since outdoors and, and late November, but no, the Lions should win. This get get seven, used to it seven. because we're going we're gonna to be back here in December for the Jets. Yeah. So get used to it. Make this an advanced scouting assignment. Uh, Thanksgiving, watchability nine. I'm going to deduct one point because... Lions could very well get stomped, but I just hope that if the Lions are getting stomped, it is a uh, balletic stomping from the Bills. Just a just a masterclass of stomping. I hope. I would I, hope not. I hope it's competitive, but winability is just one. <laughs> well, and that's why my watchability is probably more like a six and a half or a seven. Is because so you're deducting points for the stomp. Because I think, yeah, I think it's it's a pretty big mismatch here, and I don't like that the that the schedule makers put the biggest mismatch of the Lions season on Thanksgiving. So the fact that we're on a national stage potentially getting stopped, that to me drops the winability pretty significantly. I will say this, and maybe this is a this is one case on watchability, and maybe on winability to up it. The Bills have some like weird games in November. That was remember the game they lost last year against the uh, the the Patriots where where Mac Jones threw three passes. Sure. Now, uh, granted, well, that, that was, was outside. weather. Yeah, that, was that was weather. But the Bills should be used to their own damn weather, Jeremy. That was extreme weather. <laughs> True. True. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I it's still a highly watchable game because they, I mean, Buffalo is just a lot of fun to watch. Like if yeah. you can just sit back and watch this from a pure football perspective. They're, they're a great team to watch. And, and you just want the Lions to be competitive in this game. Sure. And I think winability for me is, is probably a two. We, we've seen them hang with really good teams before, and maybe they do it again on Thanksgiving, but I just don't see. A, yeah. I think Dan's going to have his guys up. Dan Campbell's going to have everyone up for this game. Like this so. is, this is, he's got this one circled and like it's Thanksgiving. I think it chafes him that they lost Thanksgiving last year too. 
think he wants to win that one. Sure. So, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. I'll start with you this time. Watchability. Well, you got Trevor Lawrence. You got first overall pick, uh, whatever his name Trayvon is. Trayvon Walker. I've already forgotten him because he's just out of sight, out of mind. You got Marvin Jones, Christian Kirk. Jacksonville has a chance of being a lot better, and, and they've got put some potential star power here, but not a ton. It's a home game. It's a game the line should be competitive and probably win. They're favored by two. So I guess I'll put watchability to a six. I like I, I like Trevor Lawrence enough that I'll I'll give this a seven. I think by you know late and late part of this year, I think I expect Trevor Lawrence to take a jump in year two. He's got kind of the same problem as Justin Fields has in that that offensive line. They've invested very well in it in free agency. So I think he's a little he's got a, a little bit better of an offensive line than situation than say Justin Fields. So I I think Lawrence can take a good step forward. I think Marvin Jones is a great weapon for him to have as he's taking that step forward. Um, we'll see if their running game is healthy between with uh, Travis Etienne. But I've got questions about their defense. But I think I I'm going to go with seven on this. I, I'm excited to see where Trevor Lawrence is at. I think the Lions though can compete with Trevor Lawrence and how that Jacksonville Jaguars is structured. And I, I don't know. I don't know what Doug Peterson tends to do is going to do with the Jaguars. I would say by, by merit of who Doug Peterson is expect kind of a system that I think the lions can probably match up well against on offense. Uh, when, thus I'm also putting winability probably at like a seven here. Yeah. I think I'm, Something about this game scares me, and I'm not entirely sure why. It's one of those games where it's like the Lions should win this game and they will lose it in an insane fashion. That's not it for me. For me, it's just I feel like Jacksonville could be more dangerous than people think. I I think they have some star power there, and I think Doug Peterson is a good enough coach that they that by week 13, I think he could have this team humming along fairly well. Like I don't think they're going to push for a playoff spot. I don't think they're going to be you know, winning record or anything, but I think they're going to hang in a lot of games this year and the lines are a cer- certainly a game they could hang in. So I, I, I'll give it a six, even though it's, it's the one game that they're favored more than a point by this entire year. But I don't know. Something about the game scares me. So I'm only, I'm going to, I don't have modest optimism here. I'll be honest. I'm not sure the lions will be favored by the time this, this game line the week of comes out. We'll see. Minnesota Vikings at home in Detroit. So I forgot what we gave them the first time around. Um, watchability in Detroit, though, should shoot up a little bit. I, I guess I'll give this one. I don't know, man. Like the, the Vikings are always late season, a bit of a walking mash unit. I know that's not something you can say, like we predict that every year. But I'll give this I'll give this one a seven. I think, you know. If the if if we're going by what we expect out of the Lions late season, they should still be competing and playing for something. So I feel like this will be, and I think the Vikings will be trying to compete too. For you know, we talked about it. The wild card is the third wild card is completely open in the NFC. Like both the Vikings and the Lions could be competing for pole position on the, on a wild card in this game. So seven and uh, winability probably at a straight five. Yeah, I, I, I'm probably bumping up this to an eight, eight and a half home division game. And as you mentioned, like if the lions are playing 500 ball up to this point, 
this is the stretch where they have to be really, really good down Jaguars, Vikings, Jets, Panthers, Bears. They need to win a bunch of these games. So high intensity games. Again, I think the Vikings games could be shootouts this year because their defense is a lot worse. And I, I like their offensive minded head coach and their offensive skill position players. So eight and a half, maybe even a nine here because shootout division rival down the stretch, December football uh, winability. Uh, I'll bump this up to maybe a six, but not, I don't, I don't want to move too far off from that five number because again, I think these two teams are, are pretty evenly matched. Now back to MetLife, uh, the Jets. I'm not feeling this one. This is a four on watchability for me. I don't, I, I think, I think it'll be competitive. So I am bumping it up a little bit, but I have no interest in really the Jets in Zach Wilson. I know they had a good draft, Jeremy, but it's still Zach Wilson under center who does really nothing for me unless he just comes back from injury and takes a leap. Um, I feel like the storyline out of this is probably the, the best we're, the best storyline we're going to get out of this is that um, the Jets coach, um, Robert Sala, sure. you know, being being a Southeast Michigan boy and taking the Jets job over the Lions job. I mean, Jets job instead of the Lions job. I think, but like, if that's the main storyline coming out of this, other than Lions, like potentially being in some sort of hunt, there's not a lot to watch here for. And it's going to be ugly New Jersey weather in, are we now in December? I believe. Yes. We're in the middle of December, the week before Christmas. I think people are going to be checked out from this one. Yeah. Jets don't do it for me either. Like. I don't know if Sauce Gardner is going to be balling out in his rookie year at this point, so that doesn't seem all that exciting to me. You do get Garrett Wilson kind of reuniting with Jameson Williams in in kind of a weird way since they were both at OSU at at one point, but I mean, I feel like we're really stretching for storylines here. It is (laughs) going to be December football, and the Lions are going to hopefully be – hopefully this is going to be a meaningful game for them, so I'll still give it, you know, like a four, but – in terms of this matchup, there's nothing that excites, excites yeah. me. About. Winability, though? Or, or give it at? a seven, man. I, I, the, the new you gotta, Jersey you gotta weather sucks. Game. You got to pick up this game. Though. But you, you, should, you should win this game. Yeah, I'm with you on seven. This is one of those games where it's like, you got to win this one. Because Carolina is the, I feel like this is just a hellish trap game here. Carolina, at Carolina Panthers, uh, like, You'll get some of the Carolina weathers, but it's so late in December. It's still going to be a cold outdoor game. I think, I don't know, climate change being what it is. I don't know. Um, I don't, I, I don't know who the quarterback is going to be of the Panthers at that point. I don't know if Matt Rule's still going to be the coach at that point. If the Panthers crash and bomb pretty well. Um, it's Christmas Eve. I'm sure a lot of people want to go home. But it's also an incredibly important game to if the Lions want to compete for a wild card game because they have two divisional opponents to finish out the year. So where are you at? Yeah, I mean, watchability again. I think just because it's down, you know, down the stretch football that that has to raise the level up a little bit. But yeah, is it Matt Corral? Is it Sam Darnold? We'll we'll see. I think it might be Matt Corral by this point in the season. But it's a really good Panthers defense too. So I think. If, if you like kind of hard-nosed defensive football, I feel like this might be a good game for you. I, I have a feeling it might be a little bit sloppy. I'll, I'll give it a six just because I think it could be a high-intensity game. Panthers could be a team that they're they're fighting for a, a playoff spot with, if, if we're being completely honest. They could be one of those teams right around 500 battling for that third wild-card spot. So there could be pretty high stakes here. 
I, I the Panthers team can go I, one of two ways. Like they can sink or they can swim. Like because as you say, they could be in contention for that wild card. But Matt Rule is one of those candidates that's just up there for a weird late season firing if they just don't start well. Sure. Like, like I don't I don't understand it. I think he should get more time in Carolina, but I know that the owner is definitely not a patient sort. So I mean, you lose double digit games in back to back seasons. You're not going to sure, last but very like, long you in, don't, the se- you don't, in the NFL. The quarterback, they don't have a goddamn quarterback. They, that's I, I mean, that's that's up to them. But, but right. like they've always been a bridesmaid on that because they tried to get Stafford, they tried to get um Watson, they tried to get Will um I think they even tried to get Baker Mayfield. So um hosting the Chicago Bears last home. Wait, we didn't do winnability on that one. Oh, winnability. <laughs> uh sloppy hard nose. I feel like there's enough problems in the past defense. Still, I'm not I, I know I've been giving out sixes like candy here, but I don't know where where are you at because I've got I, I don't have a good read on the Panthers straight straight down the middle five and and five? This, again this the reason we're giving out I think a lot of fours and fives and sixes just all these games look like toss ups I know I said it on the the schedule release thing a lot of these games just feel like it's going to come down to the last play or two and and whoever kind of gets the ball bouncing in their way is going to win them so yeah I'm I'm with you I don't have a great read on the Panthers I think they got a good defense but um, a lot of questions on offense all right Bears at home. Last home game. I, I hate Bears games, so I'm, but but we're talking penultimate week. We're talking a division opponent. We're talking potentially a big game for the Lions, maybe for the Bears. I'm, I'm not very high on them this year, but you never know um, how how quick Justin Fields could turn that team around. So I'll give I'll give it an eight in watchability. Um, Lions are favored by a point and a half. Uh, because it's a divisional opponent, I don't feel strongly either way. I'm, I'll say six and a half in winnability. I'll say five on winnability. It, it feels it feels like this is one of those weird years where, like as you said, weird things will happen at Soldier Field. The Lions will pick up that game, and then down the stretch, this one is just going to. This is I I I I don't know why this one sticks out in my mind as like a psychic wound that the Lions are going to find some brand new way to lose here. Like don't put that actually, I forgot. There. I forgot don't put this. that out there. I know, I know. By the way, uh, rolling back to the Panthers for a second, real quick. Do you think even Christian McCaffrey will play in that game on the Panthers? <laughs> oh, no, man. Like, who knows? With, yeah. with him, right. with with Barkley, you just the running backs. You never know because they get injured yeah. all the time, and that's why you don't draft them high. Thank oh, you for okay. giving me there. the opportunity to. to yes, hit that I drum gave again. you your platform. Yeah, you see, I'm a team player. <laughs> Someone would accuse me of not being a team player. I'm a team player. Uh, yeah, so where, where was I? I? I think I said Bears winnability is straight five. Mm-hmm. And then watchability, uh, I just six. I feel like this is going to be a sloppy one. Yeah. I have nothing to base that on. Just whatever, for whatever reason, this game scares me on this, on the raw, on this, on the thing. I know I'm not supposed to put out that there, but like New Year's Day and everything, man, something's, something's going to be weird. All right, and finally, Lambeau on January 7th. Pack five, six, seven layers because you're going to need it. One of these days I'm going to make the trek to Lambeau to see a game. This definitively will not be the year I do Not in January. Absolutely not. Uh, So if we're talking about being at the game, watchability is probably about a one because it's going to be miserable there. 
they got those old bench seats that that aren't comfortable and you got a Packers team that's probably significantly better than the Lions in a game that might matter and so they're the heartbreak potential is, is, is huge right like how many times have we played the Packers in the final week of the season with something on the line and had our hearts ripped out especially if the Packers aren't resting people at that point sure. if they're if they're actually up to play this because like they'll they'll treat it as like a tune-up game and I'm for the playoffs I'm, I'm not about to predict whether the resting starters or not even even when they are like last year was a year which they rested starters and they, they mm-hmm. played their starters for the first half of the, the game and I have to imagine that's probably what they do if they were quote unquote resting a starter. Maybe they even play a full game since it didn't work out too well for them. This time. I, I feel like the lions are in the hunt too. They'll play full, a full sure. roster too, just to beat them out. So my, um, just based on heartbreak potential alone, this is a three out of 10 on watchability, even though the, if, if I wanted to be optimistic about this, this could be a 10 out of 10 watchability. If the line somehow win it, I'm keeping Jeremy. I'm keeping the heartbreak in, in consideration as this game, this gave a big Chanko seven Chanko. Like it, this, this is, mm-hmm. this is, mm-hmm. if the lions are actually playing for something, this is, mm-hmm. it's going to be brutal on TV. I don't, I don't know about watchability in Lambo, but at home with, with the space heater, mm, I'm good for that. I'm good for that. Winability is a three. And I'm being generous, to be honest. I, that's, I feel like you might be being generous. And, and I don't know. Maybe the Packers aren't as good as they – maybe they, they find themselves flailing without Devontae Adams and, and whatever Smith brother they lost this offseason. I don't <laughs> remember which one. Um, but I don't know. Just winning in Lambeau in, in January of all times of year doesn't seem like a fun – Can we get so a I'm, final – I'm going to give it a two. Can we get a, can we get a season ender that isn't Packers – it would be nice. I feel like it's been the Packers like seven out of the last 10 years or something crazy. Like it's been that. ridiculous. Yeah. Well, that's it. We're through the schedule. Did Send we make it your... 17 and 0? I think we did. 16 0 and 1. Tie with Ooh. the Packers at the end of the season. <laughs> I put a tie on Thanksgiving. <laughs> You're going to put the tie on Thanksgiving? Yeah. Yep. That would cause the league to actually try to take Thanksgiving away from the Lions <laughs> if that happened. And we'd, we wouldn't have a defense either. That would be the one thing where we'd be like, oh, dang it, you guys are kind of right. I think the defense at that point is like, hey, look, the Cowboys just got stomped by 50 points. <laughs> We're done. Made it. We got through it. What are we going to talk about next week, OTAs? Um, no. <laughs> I mean, we'd have to preview OTAs because we don't get to see any until oh, yeah, that's after right. next week. Man, we're scraping the bit. We're, sca- we're scraping the barrel already. You guys are just going to have to find out. That's it's not right. that it's not that we don't know what we're going to talk about. It's just we don't want to tell you yet. What dark secrets could the Pride of Detroit staff be holding? Do they really have an off-season plan in mind? Tune in next time on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. For Chris, for Jeremy, we'll see you star side. Mm-hmm.